Hello, everyone, and welcome to another Motorsport Magazine podcast in association with Mercedes-Benz. Some things are made to cope with puddles and rain. Others deal with the stickiest of mud. And as for the snow, that takes a warm coat and sure footing. But when it comes to dealing with all conditions, there's only one thing that springs to mind. Mercedes-Benz Formatic, all-wheel drive performance in any condition. So whatever the weather or road throws at you, you're ready. To see the Formatic range for yourself, visit your local Mercedes-Benz retailer. I'm Ed Foster, and we have an absolute treat for you today. The eagle-eyed amongst you will realise that we are not in Motorsport HQ. We are, in fact, at Goodwood in Lord March's office. Um, Lord March, thank you so much for having us here and for sparing so much of your time. Pleasure. Very nice to be here. Um, i just jump in and say now that we're also joined by veteran podcaster and Goodwood man, Morning. Rob Widows. And behind the camera, Alan Hyde. Thank you so much um, for recording us, as always. Ed, Lord March, I wanted to start with your grandfather. Um, he obviously was sort of steeped in motorsport and was an extremely good driver. Um, and is, is that where the motorsport passion came from? Because I think you w- used to watch racing with him when, as, a, as a young child. Certainly, um, absolutely, yes. I come down here twice a year for the horse racing in July and the uh, uh, Easter Monday motor racing uh, meeting. And that was the kind of highlight for me. And he would um, sort of take me under his wing a bit and take me around. And the drivers, a lot of the drivers were here anyway. In the house, and uh, and uh, you know he he exactly instilled the bug. He'd send me the magazines at school, and and um, you know my grandmother, I, my grandmother actually, I think too, was very good at keeping it. So she was probably the person who nurtured that relationship. Really, kept sending the stuff and getting him uh, uh, sort of motivated to. to um, but he was, uh, from what I can read about him, he was a really interesting man because he not only was he obviously the you know the racer and so involved in motorsport but he he spent a bit of time at bentley motors in the service department but just he was just known as mr setrington and no one knew who he really was is that is that, is that true uh, yeah absolutely he um he left oxford very early much to his parents uh at fury and um he was riding his his bike i think he was doing that famous standing quarter mile outside oxford all the time on his motorbike and um, he left Oxford early and got a job on the shop floor. He did rise to the sales department, I think, and then, um, and then of course, he set up, set up his own um, uh, dealership in, uh, in Berkeley Square. But uh, when he started off first, yeah, there's a famous story of him lying underneath some car um, and, and the, and the, and the uh, mechanic with him saying, I think there's some bloody lord here, isn't there, uh, working here. Do you know who it is? He was saying, no, no idea. <laughs> He was also he was a he was a good engineer and a good designer as well. I mean, you know, he's in a way his his reputation, what he did, is sort of undervalued still in some ways. Yeah, I agree. I think he um, he was very very innovative in terms of the technology that he um, not only developed a little bit, but also really enjoyed. He loved small, clever cars. You'll notice, um, you know, all the cars he raced. Um, were all sort of, he didn't drive, he didn't race Bentleys or even drive them. He liked sort of small, clever, new design, new technology. And um, I mean, we had one of the very first minis here uh, uh, when it first came out. My grandmother was absolutely terrifying in it. In fact, she wasn't allowed to go out of the park, I don't think, in it. Um, but I remember it zooming up and down out here, a little red uh, mini, and he had always had, you know, sort of small, clever cars. And Dan Richmond always tuned them up, Downton Engineering always tuned, up, tuned the hell out of them. 
and so they went like uh, they went like stink all of them but they looked very ordinary um but also his you know i've got quite a few of his cars and the the lovely ac i've got the pre-war ac he designed and you know he was very much a lot of people have been um you know very positive about the influence he had and have talked to me a lot about um, you know his role in terms of of, of English sports car design, the sort of double scuttle front uh, was very much his his sort of um, signature, the slab tank on the back. He had very much a look and um, he was a very good designer. He drew, he drew very well. He's a good artist. And so it was unusual, I think, in that he, he was both very artistic and, and, very, and a good engineer. He built his own aeroplane, flew, flew and built his own aeroplane, um, you know, which is no mean feat, really, is it? Amazing. There's, um, I actually I discovered an article in Motorsport by Mike Lawrence from a few, well, probably a couple of decades ago now, um, and he was telling a story about how your grandfather had to deal with the customer complaints and things as he moved up to the service department. And one of them um, was, I just got the sort of text here, and there was a lady who had been loaned her boyfriend's Bentley, and she was complaining the horn didn't work. The horn was tested and found good. She said, not that one this one, and pointed to the starter button. <laughs> and there's, there's a whole long list of them in the piece. It's actually a sort of fantastic little, little insight. Um, it's, also, it's also, we've got to remember that, that, that when the Festival of Speed started in 93, we were looking back at the um, 1936, when your grandfather was the first man to compete up that very road. So, you know, he, he did everything first in a way, didn't he? Yeah, and we found out all of that later, which was rather amazing. So we had the idea to do the festival speed because we were obviously being restricted about what we could do on the track and that didn't look like it was ever going to happen. So we thought, well, could we do it somewhere else? And, and then um, discovered that he'd uh, held an event here already in 36 for the Lancet Car Club, which, as Rob said, he, he won himself. Um, and we then found out, actually, it's, it's up there, there's a very nice little trophy which we found in the safe, a little silver horse, it's a lighter with a little silver horse, which was the, the trophy for it. So it, 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 it was an interesting the way it all kind of, it, it, it kind of fell into place once we had the idea. Yeah, so it's interesting, because I thought the idea slightly came from his Lance Your Owners Club event. It was, it was actually the other way around. Well, actually, know? the truth is, it was, <laughs> we found out, we, because I found all his scrapbooks later, and, then, and actually then, miraculously, after Rob and I had been working on it for some time and trying to um, think how we were going to, begin in explaining it and marketing the idea, I found a, a lovely little picture, it's not very sharp, uh, in one of his albums of him in the Lancet going up the hill. So that became the sort of, there he was actually doing it. So then we... we uh, Amazing. Um, I wanted to talk about, obviously, when you took over Goodwood and the, the introduction of the Festival of Speed and, and, and the events that we have today, um, the second you loved cricket and there's cricket still played on the pitch, um, the third Duke loved horse racing and the Goodwood Racecourse was created. The seventh Duke built the golf course. Obviously, your grandfather um, that we're talking about made racing happen at the Goodwood Circuit. There must have been a, a, quite a weight on your shoulders in terms of, you know, with that one illustrious history. Um, were, you, were you ever frightened of not being able to come up with these new ventures and new ideas? Uh, no, not really. I mean, all that, 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 that sort of story of, the, of sport at Goodwood hadn't really been particularly developed or told at that point. So that actually wasn't on that, that particular sort of angle, which is now absolutely critical to everything we do, wasn't uh, really developed. My, my father had, had uh, brilliantly sort of got hold of the race course and uh, determinedly um, turned that into a, a, um, you know, a, a successful, 
you know, retained its 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 whole position in terms of the English summer and the social season, but also turned into a commercially successful operation. Um, but, you know, things were very difficult. They moved here in 1968, tax was 98%. And they moved in thinking they'd give it a go, and if it didn't really, they, no one had any money, really. They spent, you know, I think they spent 100,000 on the whole house, which was a lot of money then, but still, you look now, and it's just... And um, and they had to, they you know, the house hadn't really been properly lived in by my grandparents since the war. So it was in, in very bad shape. And um, and no one lived here, in fact. I mean, it was just opened up for the horse racing and the motor racing, and then and it was shut up again. So it was a massive, uh, so my parents really took on a massive, that was a, that was a huge job, to just put some processes in and kind of get it going. And, um, and then really when we developed them, having had the idea to, to try and get the motor circuit going and got the, and really got excited and got the bit between our teeth there then fe fell into the festival speed which was a piece of luck really I mean it was it was really a, the motor circuit definitely wouldn't have turned out the way it has if we hadn't done the festival speed first so we were given the opportunity you know what felt like a, a, you know it felt at the time like we'd been dealt a difficult card but actually it was the best best result really so we had seven years to work that out and seven years to realize actually the great thing about the motor circuit was it was untouched so let's just kind of put it back to how it was and then the idea came because we the other leases came back the golf course lease we managed to get back this lovely building the kennels came back I then thought well actually we've got, there are all these sport bizarrely we have all these sports here they may all you know they may have been asleep but actually they're easy quite easy to wake up and um, suddenly we we you know we have horse racing motor racing golf flying shooting and cricket all in one place which is a unique story and it's the authenticity around those which is what good was really all about as you said I mean over 300 years the family have developed all these sports that's that's a unique thing but what's really unusual um really really unusual is the fact that they shared it they were they were they were shared in a way so they may have raced their horses on the top of the downs lots of aristocrats did in the 18th century race their horses around the place against their friends but they didn't it wasn't a shared experience like that. the public weren't invited in and likewise with my grandfather, he loved his he loved motor racing. But so it's interesting. Why did he suddenly want to hold a public? Why didn't he just Why didn't he just go motor racing there? But he decided to he decided to hold a, a motor racing event. And um, and actually, from the moment the house was built, it was open to the public as well. So I would, you know, I'm very very flattered, and I love it when people say to me at the festival speed, God, you know, it's been the best weekend. Of, you know, people do, you know, say this has been the best weekend I've ever had. When you know a 16 year old says that, and then they, that's fantastic. Best we have ever had in our lives, but why do you let all these people in? Why do you want all these people? Why do you why do you let us all in here for, you know, uh, for the weekend? Two hundred thousand people, and actually, I think it's it's just a very good the place. That's it's I, that's sort of in the air. It's not really a. It's, it's just what the place is about in a way. And um, we don't want to. Um, uh, I'd love to take all the credit for that, but I don't think I think it's just kind of how the place has has developed itself, and and the place has a very particular style and atmosphere and and that as, as that reflects well on on um a lot of people in, you know being able to enjoy it and i hope having a very private experience because for me the, the 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 real excitement is putting on something where we have a lot of people but everyone feels they're having a very their own particular moment there was a great i think it's true to say as well there was a great passion out there waiting to be satisfied in a way at the beginning of the festival of speed people used to ring up and say I hear there's a V16 BRM coming to to this event that you're doing, and, and I I saw it when I was a boy, and I'm going to be there with right even if I have to crawl there. So there was that 
wasn't there? There was a, a demand for this, for that kind of event, I think. And the same with the circuit in the sense that when it shut, people were so disappointed. You know, why why has the Duke shut the circuit? What's the problem? Why Where are we going to go now? So I think there was all that... You know, I mean, 25,000 people turned up for the first Festival of Speed. We thought there might be 10 people. Yeah, I mean, that was a surprise, wasn't it? I mean, you know, you say you sort of lucked into the Festival of Speed. I don't think it's obviously as simple as that, and it never is. But I think you were actually... No, we really did it. <laughs> right. Believe me. Yeah. Um, but I think you were quite surprised with the, the sheer numbers. That yeah, well, I think what Rob up. said, I mean, obviously Rob was there at the beginning. Rob was the founding father. Um, uh, we had no idea of the pent-up demand. Uh, we thought there was an interest, and I guess, you know, now we say that we the, we did the festival speed because we wanted to sort of see how much interest was. Actually, we did the festival speed because they told us we couldn't do something down there, and we were bloody well wanted, you know, we bloody well wanted to do something. So we thought, well, they can't stop us doing it in front of the house because of the way the planning regulations work. We'll just, we'll, let's try it there. And then we've got a bit more, I suppose, we had to put a bit more of a serious sort of feel around the whole thing. So we said, well, look, we'll do it as a little test. Let's see if there's any interest in in uh, Goodwood and motorsport, whether anyone still makes that connection. And um, Rob's right in, in the sense then that, you know, we realised very quickly, and it was a great feeling. I mean, I think both of us would say, you know, one of the best feelings ever, um, for sure, was the, on the Sunday night. You know, we had such a, both good and bad in a funny way. It had been such a sort of tumultuous weekend of, you know, ecstatic joy, huge amount of disappointment, terrible moments. You know, poor Chaz guy was killed on the first morning. You know, that was a pretty, I just thought it was all over at that point. We just thought, well, we've you know, done a terrible thing and it's, it's just, it's finished. Um, so it was a weird, it was a weekend that lasted for a year in a way. But as you said, we were expecting, well, we were told, uh, I think the BARC told us we'd be lucky to get two and a half, three thousand people for something like that, you know, a hill climb, in, you know, kind of not so It's probably a fair assumption, to be honest. I and we'd never seen it as a hill climb, so I would say that was the difference. We'd never said, no, this is not, this is not a hill climb. Yeah. This, is, this is something different. And then, of course, Doug and I and Robert Brooks got very involved. They were extremely helpful and um, supportive in terms of sort of vision and what cars we, you know, and then they obviously had access to a lot of, the owners, so we thought, well, actually, let's just put something very different together. Then we got a little bit of sponsorship, amusingly, from Honda, Aston Martin, Robert, of course, uh, Robert uh, Brooks, as it was then, and Citroen a little bit, um, Aston Martin. Um, and that was enough to cover some of the basic, some of the basic costs. And we thought, well, if anyone comes, then hopefully that'll be, you know. And amazingly, uh, you know, I've told the t story many times, but I, you know, I, d I wasn't sleeping much that week before. It was pouring with rain, actually. And um, we were, I'm mean, actually, I painted the bridge myself in the pouring rain, get, getting covered in white paint because it just, because the paint, it was just, an, it was pretty, the week before was pretty stressful. And I also ended up pretty much parking the cars. I remember standing on the side of the road, you know, I remember the Mason Stirons arriving, sort of waving them in, you go over there. And then poor Paul Ormond at Honda, who I'm sure many people will know who are listening to this. Uh, I can remember ringing him up on that first morning and giving him absolute hell down the phone, saying, Paul, you promised me the sign-on tent. You know, you told me you got... It was only you looking for, like, 10 by 10 tent, if that... I mean, feet, I'm talking about. It was tiny, size of this, smaller than this room. Uh, you know, where is it? He said, oh, don't worry, it's in, it's in the back of my car. You know, and I said, well, I'm, they're, wait, they're queuing to get in and we haven't got the tent. So, you know, it was that... It was 
so we didn't really deserve the success in many ways but uh, we certainly tried hard I mean that, that's so I think one thing we did we did realize was that it did have a lot we didn't completely stumble on it in the sense that we felt it had great potential and we did try so we did think how are we going to market this how can we get it out to a lot of people how can we get you know how can we get people excited and I think maybe for the first time we presented it in a way that no event like that had been presented in the sense that we were presenting it to the public not to the competitors so it wasn't a competitor event in the sense that it was only for it was only about entry fees and stuff it was actually about the people coming to watch it and our model ever since then has been the no entry, there's no entry fee for a Goodwood event. And what and when you look out the window now on a, on a festival of speed morning, do you sometimes scratch your head and wonder how you've got to where it is now? Because I mean, it's it's incredible. I mean, it's odd. To, I've only been here a couple of times when there isn't anything here. Um, but during the festival of speed weekend slash you know four day weekend, it's I mean, it's, there's a whole town out there, and it, it really, especially with these manufacturer buildings, which are incredible, actually just on their own. Um, do you ever think, blimey, how, how on earth has this happened? It's because of what a huge progression from that first event in '93. It is. I don't. I don't very. Much, it's bizarre how you just kind of it. It just. It just um, uh, goes on, um, uh, and you know. I guess it suddenly got big, and you don't really. I mean, you, it's. It's when people would remind me just even where it was ten years ago, actually, or seven years ago, how much it's grown in, in, in uh, since then, even. But it's, uh, we were told the other day it was the biggest, biggest greenfield site build in the world in terms of actual scale from nothing. You know, there's nothing. There's actually a little bit under the ground there in terms of infrastructure, but basically there's nothing there. Uh, and um, we put enough power to, for the whole of Chichester so we could run the whole of Chichester with the amount of power that goes in, in there. <laughs> so it's huge for generator companies, trackway companies. You know, it's a massive amount of... And you, I don't know how many square metres we cover, but... There's 200 acres out there, but it's it's a huge build. I mean, and how long does the, the setup? I mean, the setup takes weeks, doesn't it? We have 2,000 people on site building it. Wow, something crazy like that. Uh, the the setup is three months really, so it's quite a that that's become quite an issue. I mean, it's quite a, it's that's that's quite imposing. So it's three months in and out. So it's two months in and a month out. And we, I mean, in wet weather. Couple, two two of the uh, two very wet events, and the, and the park is just trashed. You know, it's That's a worry. It's, just, and it's an increasing worry. We're going to try and move a few things around next year to reduce that impact a bit. And this year, obviously, was very difficult because it was very wet before it. So that causes lots of problems with the with the parking. And you know, so that requires more infrastructure, more hard standing. And of course, what we don't want to do is we got you know this, we can't do that anything out here. So it's, it's a very important park. It's you know we can't. Um, yeah. Um, we've got lots of readers' questions, um, and so some of them are just literally saying thank you, um, who had been past visitors of Festival of Speed and Revival and, and the members' meeting as well. Um, got a nice one here from Neil, uh, who obviously we're talking about your grandfather earlier. What, he's asking, what do you think your grandfather would make of what you've achieved at Goodwood since '93 at the Festival of Speed and then obviously at the circuit with the Revival and the members' meeting? Um, it must uh, surely he'd be looking. He'd down be at absolutely it. horrified. <laughs> horrified, do you think? <laughs> He would think it was absolutely... He's quite interesting. I think... I Rob knew him a bit, too. Uh, I think perhaps after a bit, he'd think it was great and he'd be pleased. But most... He'd, he'd probably say, absolutely ridiculous. Why, why, why are you doing this? It's completely... He was very, very... Um, he looked forward a lot. He was very modern. I mean, I used to talk to him about Brooklyn's and say, isn't it tragic that Brooklyn's... It's absolutely not tragic at all. Brooklyn's was finished. It was over. It was old hat. 
move on. Um, and I think he might think that you know Goodwood he'd close Goodwood down. I mean, there was no looking back. You know, why do you why do you want to start up again? That's mad. But I think I hope he'd be. You know, I hope he's looking down there actually with a little bit of a smile and and a bit chuffed with what he with what he create that what he created has gone on to in some ways perhaps you know and and of course with um, you know the digital world we're in uh, we've been able to to um, share that with so many more people around the world and and good was become known uh, in a way you know we would never have dreamt of when we started it 25 years ago. It's you know I'm I'm just astonished honestly I'm walking around Beverly Hills two weeks ago and people are, people walk up to me and say God I just love love, love your events I think it's really bizarre I mean it, I'm not in any way wishing to sound like it's you know we, we I think it's we're famous or anything but I am absolutely amazed about how much uh, goodwill there is enthusiasm I mean honestly if I walk I was in London I was in I was in London just last weekend within walking from Green Park to Victoria I had three people stop me in the street and say I just want to say it's great or and then all people chatting about me like they like I'm their brother and I have no bloody <laughs> clue who they are <laughs> I mean I go yeah and I see you too <laughs> I mean, you know but it's a uh, it, it's um the the best thing of all about about all of it really is is just that people are so you know there's so much good feeling about it and they want to be part of it and and um and they love it, and mostly we have. Of course, there are things which don't go so well. The traffic this year was really horrible, uh, and you know we need to sort that out. But you know, you'll you. What we find is you get something right, and then you have it right for a little bit of time, and then something happens and it goes wrong, or there's something you know out of your control. Which, but but mostly we really want to do it properly, and um, and people's feedback is very positive. Well, so if you if you look back the reasons why the Ninth Duke shut the circuit in 66, that it was the right thing to do, in the sense that the cars were becoming too quick <laughs> for, the, for the circuit. And I think, look, with, in, with hindsight, it, it was a good decision because when, it, uh, when we opened it again in 98, again, that was the right time, with the right cars, in the right place, as it were. You know, it's not a circuit for modern... People say, oh, well, you know, you can have the British Grand Prix at Goodwood. I mean, forget it. So what I'm saying, what I'm saying is that, you know, is that probably had it gone on, it would have petered out rather than... Because it went out on a high. That was the thing. Yeah. And the great thing for us is it wasn't developed. So the wonderful thing for us is, is that it hasn't ever been changed. So he didn't try and make it fit. He decided it wasn't going to work, so he stopped it. If he tried to make it fit, or indeed if we'd started the circuit probably without doing the festival speed first, we might easily have you know, not known what we were doing or just thought, well, I guess make it a racetrack. So we would have tried to make it fit modern racing and, and probably fairly you know, uninteresting modern racing. And, and it, would, it would have been lost, you know, it would have been lost forever. Obviously, the interesting thing about it is that it never changed. So it's exactly as it was the day Fangio drove around it. Yeah. Um, we're going to come on to lots more readers' questions in a sec, but I just wanted to let everyone know who is listening and watching um, that being at the end of November, and you can't get across to me, Rob, because I, I know you hate Christmas too early, uh, the lights are on in London, so it is nearly Christmas. Um, we have a great Mercedes Christmas offer for you, um, and go to the Mercedes-Benz World website, go to the offer section, and there's loads of driving experiences from AMG ones to under-17 driving experiences and also 4x4 uh, ones as well. So, uh, Mum, if you're listening, I would love some time in an AMG car. So, as you, you know, you know where to go now. Terms and conditions do apply. So, see the website um, for details. Um, 
so we've obviously talked a little bit about the revival, but uh, that it must have been quite a struggle getting racing back there because obviously you wanted to keep it original and uh, to keep it all as it was in periods. Just sort of give me some idea of how tough it was to kind of get everyone to agree and the planning and everyone to say, yes, go for it. Well, uh, Rob knows all about this too. He was very, very involved in, in, the, in this process. So the moment we didn't... Um, I suppose naively to start with, I thought it was all possible, and we thought, oh, actually, we didn't get turned down. Maybe it's, it's, uh, it can happen. And then we realised fairly quickly after that. So I guess um, you know, we started the Festival Speed um, 93. So it, you know, 90, 92, it was pretty clear it, it wasn't going to happen. Um, and uh, we remained determined, though. So the Festival Speed was, just a little, was meant to be just a little sort of stepping stone. And of course, it turned into the the monster it is now. Um, but uh, uh, there was a lot of there was a lot of resistance. Uh, but we were absolutely determ determined that we we could get past it, and that there must be some way there must be some way through. So we just we just carried on, and you know, and we and we pushed along, and it took seven years. Um, but we you know we eventually got it, and. Um, and we had to give up a lot to get it, actually. So obviously the, the amount of actual activity on the track had to reduce dramatically, no use on Sundays and all those sort of restrictions. But, uh, you know, I remember very well, and of course, you know, then the first revival in 98 was another big, you know, it was, you know that was a big moment for us and a very exciting one. And how how sort of relationships with um, sort of governing bodies and things in terms of the safety, is that a constant battle trying to keep it as it, as it should be? Um, in period, or a, a sort of, is everyone quite understanding of what you're trying to achieve and, and, and the safety record and things? Yeah, I don't think it's a battle. I mean, we're very, very, um, you know, we're all over it ourselves. We're trying to keep, make it as safe as we possibly can all the time. Um, so anything we think of, we, we will do or we'll talk to the MSA about. And I've had a very close relationship with them. Obviously, Derek and Gara at the beginning uh, played a huge part in enabling it in the first place. I mean, if Derek hadn't said, so it was because I was talking to Derek about the the circuit, um, and I didn't know him well, but uh, uh, Dennis Carter of the BARC had uh, w was I was really in involved with the BARC, and Dennis had put me in touch with with Derek. Derek was coming down to look at the circuit, to talk about banks, and you know, well, did we have to have Armco all around it? What was you know, what was that, what was it going to mean? Because we knew, I knew that would wreck it. That I then brought him up here and said, look, we've had this little idea about doing something in front of the house. Which, which Ian Back suggested, who was a member of the BARC, um, at a, bizarrely at a funeral we were both at together. He suddenly said, you ought to run a hill climb in front of the house. And I said, that'll never happen. That You can't be, you serious? He said, yeah, I think you could do it. And that's actually, to be fair, it was Ian, that's how the whole thing came about. And then thinking, well, it doesn't, have, doesn't we actually, we don't really want a British, we don't want a sort of international hill climb. We just want to, how could we do something a bit different? And, um, and then it was Derek, I remember showing him, and I was going to go from the kennels at the beginning all the way up past the west entrance and then at the crossroads take a left up here. And he looked at that and was sucking his teeth in a bit because there were quite a lot of walls and immovable objects. Super quick, hairy, quite hairy corners. And so we had, I was a bit disappointed. He said, well, I don't think And then we had a little dry rain. He said, well, I think you could do it this way down there. And then, of course, Derek brilliantly. Um, again, we were very, very lucky. So, because if Derek had said that's all fine, but it's arm, you can do it, but you're going to have to put Armco from top to bottom. I mean, that would have we would never have done it because it would have cost so much. We just couldn't have done it. And the beauty of the event for Goodwood and why it's been so fantastic for the estate is it hasn't required a great deal of capital. It's just we've just done it. 
uh, and being able to repeat it and then earn the money and do it again. So we've been able to put all that money back into the estate. And um, it's had a massive impact on what we've been able to do here and keeping the whole place uh, you know, alive and well. So it was a brilliant event at the beginning. And Derek, was, I mean, those of, of those um, who were here will well remember, um, not only was there a BRMV16 which made grown men cry, which Rob mentioned earlier, which was an amazing, uh, I realised then we must be onto something when they got so emotional about it, but there was a string line. It was literally a piece of string. Um, and Derek was sitting in his car, I remember, on the first corner, and a lot of people were going, God, this looks quite serious. And uh, Derek said, it's fine, it's a rally stage, as far as I'm concerned. It's just like a rally stage. So that was, that was brilliant that he... And he could see exactly what we were trying to do. We weren't trying to you know, run an international time trial or something. It was a celebration of the motor car. And um, his understanding played a massive part at the beginning. Or if he, Derek had just said at the beginning, this isn't, I'm sorry, I, this is never going to work. If he hadn't... It slightly, you know, stepped out of line and said, "This looks like exciting. This is great for everybody. Let's do it." We, it would never have happened. So he's uh, there's a lot to thank him for. Mm. Um, we, I'm wary of you've got more uh, more meetings to go, more important meetings to go to. Um, but I just kind of there's lots of things I just want to quickly touch on. Um, there's, you've obviously had some amazing stars from Mario Andretti to Valentino Rossi, and um, some. You know, there's, there's probably about four podcasts just in some of those stories. Um, wasn't was there a story about Mario Andretti and a jigsaw? So I, I think it was indeed. It was a very wet year. It was it was it was it was um, it was the Ferrari year. Mario was here, ninety seven, and um, it rained and rained, and all the we had. Um, we had Rick Mears here. We had lots of great... We had all the indie drivers here as well. Danny Sullivan, um, Mario, Mario's wife. All the wives were here as well, and they were all staying in the house. And though they didn't go out at all, I think, the whole weekend, all they did was sit and do a jigsaw, which my, my wife, Janet, loves a proper jigsaw. So we always have a big jigsaw out, these lovely hand-cut things. And they got to the pretty much the end of the jigsaw, after dinner one evening, and everyone was getting quite excited at the last, and the last piece was bloody missing. So the girls were all pretty, everyone was a bit, there was a slight, yeah. No, it was a bit of a disappointment. And, um, uh, and the next morning, everyone's sitting down, and Mario comes bouncing in in his overalls on, ready to go up to the track, and suddenly goes, oh, gee, look. And pops the last piece of the bloody <laughs> jigsaw into the into it, and he'd taken it at the beginning of the week and popped it in his pocket. <laughs> it seemed anyway very race, very competitive quite, racing driver quite competitive. kind of poor behaviour. Yeah, <laughs> so that 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 um, yeah, that was. Um, I like I liked it. I liked it when um, Froilan Gonzalez came to drive the uh, again yeah. the V sixteen yeah. BRM up the hill. It's but that was. A, it was a fantastic thing to get him here the at all. The Pampas Bull. Yeah, the Pampas Bull, all the way from Argentina. He's quite an elderly man, of course, and um, the time came for his run in the BRM on the hill, and there was an, and we were all thinking, where is he? And the announcement came over the PA in the paddock, Mr. Gonzalez is having breakfast. His run will be postponed. Yeah. Brilliant. A Very lot of people spend well. a lot of time in bed here. Actually, that's <laughs> well, yeah, well, yeah, maybe uh, I know it's too a many stories to tell about. Yeah. Well, it is a f it is a family show, but um, I do know that um, uh, when the rooms were being cleaned uh, the day after the festival of speed a few years ago, I won't tell you which year it was, 
a thong was discovered hanging from an orchid that had been used uh, in a well, room. The orchid was at the end of the bed, actually, yeah. At so the end of the bed. It took a bit of time to see it, and no one knows it for quite a long time. So you know, the orchid being what it is, and then the thong hanging, it was like perfectly camouflaged. <laughs> Of course, we are talking a Formula One driver here. <laughs> right. Who else? Who else? Um, but there was, was didn't Emerson, is there an Emerson go around the track in a Rolls Royce with... Yeah, with that was very recently, actually. That was very recently. So uh, we had the big, uh, Jean Tot kindly bought the whole, we had the big FIA conference here. So they were all here. And um, uh, Gerhard Berger was here as well. Emerson happened to be here that evening. Uh, Jean and I and we had they did a big dinner down at the motor circuit and um, I think it was probably Gerhardt probably predictably said you don't think we need to be doing some we need to drive did some driving in the you know it was dark it was pouring with rain and I had the phantom down there so I said okay we'll go for Emerson you drive and yeah so we had Emerson driving me in the front and Gerhardt and Jean Tot in the back going flat out around the circuit in the dark Anyway, yeah, I thought, if anything happens now, we're all going to be in big trouble. <laughs> and you can imagine Gerhardt was pushing Emerson on, telling me he was, you know. Yeah. There's, well, there's actually, there's a question here from... Uh, the wipers. <laughs> <laughs> um, there's a question here. There's lots of questions, actually, from various people. There's one here from uh, Greg on this all on the same topic, but um, saying, you know, you have a racetrack, a hill climb course, and a rally stage on your doorstep. Do you ever get tempted to sneak out at night and have a blast around them in something tasty? I think that probably answers that question, actually. <laughs> the, the well, very, very rarely now. <laughs> Rob will remember that, God, in, in my... In, when so 17, 18, we were out on the track, we was going to do 70 laps straight off. My son zooms out on the rally... Well, goes out on the rally stage a bit. He, we got a fantastic off-road rage, which he's quite decent in, and we... We have a good thrash around there, and we have some fun people who come and done that with us. And that's very, you know, and then that's a bit damp and it's chalky. It's really, really difficult. He did, he, uh, I got to tell you, he did try the festival of speed course downhill many, 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 many years ago, um, but it he it, he well, it only what, what lasted halfway because <laughs> wasn't a great result. He drove he drove his mother's Mostyn eleven hundred flat out into a very large tree and spent several weeks in hospital. Four months, in fact. Really, yeah. wasn't well, it was not my best moment. Yeah, my mother was out. I was joyriding. I was sixteen, <laughs> and um, yeah, I went up to the top with a friend in the car. Yeah, I whipped it round. You know, shh, came zooming back down, and it was one of those terrible MG eleven hundreds with that molten suspension. You know, when one goes up, the other goes down. With one of the, anyway. Yeah, yeah, but it, and I lost it badly on the last corner coming down. Yeah, and ended up, yeah, absolutely, absolutely stuffed into these trees. wasn't wasn't good. Broke my legs. Every oh. racer has to have a big shunt. So. <laughs> it's quite quite a big one. Um, just a couple more questions. This, uh, this is from Matt in South Korea. And there's been so many great cars and drivers um, at Goodwood Events over the past 20 years. Is there a particular car or driver you look back on most fondly? Well, probably. Um, well, there are, there are, funny enough, immediately you say that, there are two moments I, I remember. One was I came out of the dining room window here because the window is all open. I climbed out of the dining room window. Friday the festival speed and I'm just walking I literally I've just stepped onto the lawn and a guy bump let literally run, run smack into me and it almost knocks me over he knocks himself over he pulls himself up he says oh gee I'm so sorry man I'm so sorry I'm just in such a hurry I've got to go and see the chaparrales and um, I thought that's, he's American that's and anyway this guy came all the way from Chicago to see the chaparrales which had never been seen in America really because Jim had put them all away 
And so for me to have the shot, we've had them here a few times, uh, obviously, since. But that, that was a big moment. So at the beginning, getting all those Indy cars, getting the no, I mean, we tried so hard to get some of these cars. I mean, to get a V6, to get an Auto Union at the beginning, you know, they were not in, there weren't any in the world. I mean, we were, you know, there was one in East Germany. So to try and get those blockbuster cars at the beginning, well, they were real triumphs. The W165 uh, Mercedes, when they rebuilt that specially and, and brought that, that was it. Um, that was a big, a big moment. But to have the chaparral and to drive them, so very few people have driven a chaparral. So for me, the bizarre thing, perhaps, is that I used to dream about all these cars when I was a child, and um, and I've driven most of them, which is extraordinary. You know, I've now driven. I'm only three people in the world have driven a chaparral, pretty much, and um, Phil Hill and me, and you know, so, I don't know, you know, very, very few people have driven one, and. Um, you know, I've had some um, unbelievable experiences. And the other one was, I think, seeing Dan Gurney fiddling with the Westlake, Gurney Westlake, when it first came. You know, he didn't think it was running quite right. So there was Dan leaning over. With, he's had all these spanners out. And there was Gurney rebuilding his own engine. That was, you know, those were. So he's a big driver for me. Yeah. Um, what, what was it like having, having Rossi here, finally? That must have been another, Brilliant. Sort of another good moment. He was, in such, he was such great company. And he loved it. All he could say all the time was, what a great time he was having. And I got a sweet note from him afterwards asking me to go and see his, his, uh, his garage and his family at Silverstone, which was... And I spent a, bit, a little bit of time with him before the British race. And, um, and he was just charming, and he, loved, he wouldn't leave the party, and we had such a good time. And, um, you know, he's a superstar. Didn't he, I think he... You know, tell me, but I, th I think... He cancelled his flight home so he could drive one more car up, yeah, yeah, he did, really? yeah. up the hill. Yeah, he was that. I mean, it tells you a lot about the guy, doesn't oh, it? Yeah, I remember watching because I kept seeing him in more and more cars, and it's. I mean, it yeah. really was like a like a child in a playground. It was well, just it was like just the incredible. Pope when he came on the balcony over the front of the house. It was like the Pope, wasn't it? Well, it, I mean, it was bigger than the Pope actually. Can I? No, maybe I it was one of our best moments. Him riding yeah. in, in the yeah, bike. Yeah. Yeah. For sure. um, now we are we are basically out of time um, obviously not many people are listening or watching Do, what, who's the sort of star, star guest for, for next year and what, what have we got to look forward to or are we too early in the, in the oh season gosh, well you? lots of secrets really I mean the theme is all about the, 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 you know, the major moments in motorsport which have changed the sport forever the sort of blockbuster developments that have um, the, high, the, you know, the sort of high watermarks and, and that means we've got to get you know, the, the most exciting cars and obviously the, all the drivers that go uh, that go with them. So, um, no, there's some excitements already. Already, no, it looks good. Excellent. Well, Lord March, thank you so much for sparing so much time. I'm sorry we've run over a little bit. Um, Rob, thank you very much for, for joining us as well oh, and giving, you, giving your insight. As the, the veteran as podcaster. And Alan, thank you so much for recording all the sound as beautifully as, as you always do. We'll see you all next month for one final motorsport podcast before the end of the year. See you then. Bye bye. Bye bye. Bye. Some things are made to cope with puddles and rain. Others deal with the stickiest of mud. And as for the snow, that takes a warm coat and sure footing. But when it comes to dealing with all conditions, there's only one thing that springs to mind. Mercedes-Benz Formatic. All-wheel drive performance in any condition. So whatever the weather or road throws at you, you're ready. To see the Fullmatic range for yourself, visit your local Mercedes-Benz retailer.